snippets of hope. Here we have a qualified dietitian given sweet advice, tips and information about diabetes. It's well worth a listen. We are uplifted by a wordsmith to look ahead for things to come and get the long-awaited answer to the riddle from the last episode. Of course, to top it all off, we have wonderful words of encouragement. This month, as we transition from autumn to winter, we observe the falling of the leaves and the remaining bare branches. What we often perceive as loss and gloom is where I see hope. Hope is knowing it's not the end. Oft, the old must fade away to make way for the new. New life, new hope, so keep looking ahead. And remember, no matter what the situation may bring, there is always hope. dietitian. Um, I work in an NHS trust in the UK that's based in northwest London and today I want to talk about diabetes, particularly type 2 diabetes. So about 4 million people in the UK have been diagnosed with diabetes. Um, of that 4 million, 10% have been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And that's something that people are born with. They're diagnosed usually at a very young age. They tend to be quite underweight children. Um, and that's usually because their pancreas isn't working as well as it should be. And it's very different to type 2 diabetes, which about 90% of all cases in the UK are attributed to. So type 2 diabetes, I'll give you some background. Um, as all humans, all humans, our main source of energy is carbohydrates. And that's just because we find it really easy to break it down to its smallest molecule, which is a monosaccharide. The most common monosaccharide that we know of is glucose. So glucose is actually really good for us. It's essentially the petrol for the cells in our body. So we do need glucose. The problem is, People with type 2 diabetes have often been placing a bit too much glucose for the body to use. The cells can't take it up, so it has to sit in a traffic jam in our blood. And that's what hyperglycemia is, high levels of sugar in the blood. And it's really important that we try to avoid that, because when we see high levels of sugar in the blood for long periods of time, this can increase risk of damage to organs like our eyes. In extreme cases, we can actually see detachment of retinas or blindness. Um, this can also affect our circulation as well. So sometimes people who have mismanaged diabetes may start to notice that skin on their feet is affected. And again, in extreme cases, we can see gangrene or the skin start to turn black and essentially start to die. 
Also, people who have type 2 diabetes are more at risk of developing heart disease because, again, that sugar that's in the blood is pumping through the heart and it's in excess and causing damage to a lot of the blood vessels. So it's really important to try and get this under control. So for anyone who has a glucose meter at home, if you've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, usually this is because you're on metformin, which is a primary medication, and an extra um, diabetic medication, maybe something like glycolazide or linagliptin. It's really important that you check your blood glucose levels several times a day. Ideally, we'd like the number to be somewhere between four and nine. That's really well managed on a daily basis. Try not to go above nine because that means you've not quite got a good management on the amount of glucose. You may be having things that are a bit too sugary or a bit too high in carbohydrate. And try not to go below four. When the um, blood glucose levels go below four, we see horrible side effects happen like hallucinations, sweating, uncontrollable shaking, not being able to think clearly. And if this continues, this can actually lead to people going into diabetic comas due to diabetic ketoacidosis. So it's really important to remember four is the floor. We don't want you going any lower than that. If you do have hypos, which is what going below four is, Make sure that you have something that's very sweet, like a few jelly babies or a sip of orange juice, and then go and have a nice balanced meal afterwards, and you'll find that you come to in a while. So for long-term measurement, we also want to make sure that we're getting our HbA1c checked every three months, because this gives us a long-term measurement of how well on average you're actually managing your diabetes. The lower the number, the better, we ideally would like your number to be around 48 or lower because that would mean you're actually in the pre-diabetic range, not full diabetes. If your number's between 48 and 64, that means you still have type 2 diabetes, but you still to be managing it quite well. So you're less at risk of those horrible things that I mentioned earlier. And make sure if you know your HbA1c or your blood glucose levels are continually high that you go and see a GP or a dietitian. So what I recommend in terms of diet for people with type 2 diabetes is to try and follow a low GI diet. So some lovely scientists, bless them, took foods which are rich sources of carbohydrates. Those are things like fruits, vegetables, grains, flour, baked goods, oats, anything really that's starchy or comes from a plant and measured how quickly those foods are broken down from their food form down into glucose form and they gave them a score. The closer the score is to 100, is the faster that that food breaks down into glucose. And those are the foods we want to try and restrict or avoid. So any food that has a score of between 56 and 100 is either a moderate or a high GI food. And any food that is below 55 is a low GI food. And those are the type of carbohydrates that I want you to have in your main meals. So those are things like basmati rice um, or brown breads with added seeds or added fiber. Um, yam actually is a carbohydrate that breaks down really well. Sweet potato, replace that. Um, it's better to have more sweet potato than normal potato because it has a lower GI score. Um, going for rye bread or choosing pearl barley 
again those are very um, low GI starchy foods and if you're having pasta and noodles try choosing brown forms um, so I definitely recommend having lower GI carbohydrate and you don't have to stop yourself from having carbohydrates I'm asked this a lot you know am I allowed to have fruit am I allowed to have carbohydrates yes because they have lots of benefits they're usually rich in B vitamins and um, they're usually rich in fiber which helps us to go to the toilet regularly um, and again carbohydrates are our main source of fuel just make sure you're not having too much and that you're choosing ones which have a lower GI score so that we're not causing your blood glucose levels to go really high and crash low and really high the other part of the main meals that I want you to focus on, on as well is having really good sources of lean protein. So that's things like eggs, chicken, um, low fat cuts of red meat, fish. Uh, they're often very good sources of protein. A lot of these foods actually have very little or zero percent carbohydrate in them, which means they are low GI foods. So protein is actually a really important part of keeping us full because it releases a hormone called PYY which helps us to feel full so don't worry about feeling hungry if you've reduced the amounts of potato or, or starchy carbohydrates in your meals just make sure that you're having nice amounts of lean proteins in your meals also as well make sure that you're not consuming too much fat a lot of research finds that just having carbohydrate or starchy or sugar foods by themselves weren't actually causing people to develop type 2 diabetes. It's actually a combination of high sugar and high fat foods together. So things like pizza with very sugary tomato sauce but a lot of cheese and a lot of oil or um, butter in the dough or you know donuts and cakes and chocolate bars those are the foods as well that are more likely to cause onset of type 2 diabetes so make sure that we're not having too many of those that those are really an occasional treat I'd say avoid diabetic foods altogether because often they're not actually healthier than foods that are non-diabetic and they usually contain sucrose or fructose in them as well which can cause unfortunately diarrhea if had in high amounts so I'd just try to learn how to choose really good foods that are better for you and to manage your glucose levels um, as I said you can have fruit I'd recommend having fruits which are lower GI and those are things usually like dark berries cherries apples pears including Chinese pears um, if you love bananas you can have bananas but I'd recommend having half of a big banana or choosing the cute little chiquito bananas as they're a better portion and less starchy um, try to avoid having fruit juice as well and this is something that people are always shocked by when I say but the amount of the fruit that you would need to get a decent glass of fruit juice let's say if it took 10 oranges to juice to have a decent 200 milliliter orange juice you wouldn't sit and eat 10 oranges so I'd avoid having fruit juices altogether but if you really wanted to go half half dilute them with water and as well speaking of drinks really try to avoid alcohol remember alcohol is fermented grains so they're actually the already broken down versions of the foods that I want you to try and restrict like fruits like grapes um, 
and other grains like that so really try to restrict your alcohol and the final thing that I'd recommend is to make sure that you're exercising regularly in the UK the government recommends that you have about 150 minutes of moderate exercise so moderate levels of exercise usually means it's an activity that you couldn't have a comfortable conversation while doing at the same time so that can be things like brisk walks, going for a swim, going for a run with the dog. It could be chair-based exercises, it could be dancing, it could be boxing or skipping. Anything that really gets your heart rate going, try to do about 150 minutes or five 30-minute sessions a week. So I hope that that's been helpful for you um, to really try and get control of your diabetes. And, you know, as well, try to focus a little bit on your weight don't weigh on the scale every day because that can become addictive and unhealthy but we tend to find that people who have weights which are in the healthier weight range or who aren't in the obese um, bmi category are less likely to develop type 2 diabetes and we actually see a massive improvement in hba1c scores when people who are obese actually lose five to ten percent of their body weight so really try to keep an eye on how clothes are fitting or if you want to and you have scales at home keep an eye on them say your weight every few weeks um, so that's what I'd recommend I hope that's been a little bit helpful thank you for joining me and stay healthy I get 11. But when I add 6 and 7, I get 1. What am I? Answers next time on Snippets of Hope. This poem is entitled Your Best is Yet to Come. When your joy has faded, and the excitement is gone. When the celebration has ended and you feel like you can't carry on. When disaster strikes and life no longer seems fun, you've got to press on. Your best is yet to come. When the wine becomes tasteless, symbolizing things becoming dry. When the demands of life becomes greater than the supply. When your resources are depleted and you can't seem to see the light. Don't give up the fight. Your best is yet to come. When you have nothing left to give because you've used it prematurely, now is the time to run to Jesus for what you are missing spiritually. Reach out and trust him. Follow his instructions faithfully and you'll see surely your best is yet to come. Don't question God, just do what he says you should do. Don't be satisfied with the old God is about to do something new. You have not seen your best days. Jesus is the agent of change. Everything he will rearrange, your best is yet to come. If the old didn't make way, you would never see your best day. The good needed to be moved away to usher in your best today. God's greatest acts are in your future. They are not in your yesterday. Don't give up, continue to pray. Your best is yet to come. 
So don't dwell on pain and difficulties. God can turn around your mess and make it work to your advantage to usher in your best. Submit to the will of God and watch him do the rest. Rejoice and be blessed. Your best is yet to come. Beauty in brokenness. Brokenness. There are times in life we experience seasons or moments of brokenness. Times we feel we're unable to get out of whatever it is we're going through. Brokenness is a feeling or experience of literal brokenness, like shards of glass shattered to tiny pieces. No obvious way of putting the pieces back together. In Psalms 34:18, we're reminded that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalms 147:3 also tells us He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up all their wounds. These two verses illustrate God's gracious love and concern for those who are broken. He is the fixer and restorer of brokenness, even to those things that seem beyond repair. Joseph's story in Genesis 37 to 50 is a clear example of beauty in brokenness. The beauty of brokenness. In my own season of brokenness, God has helped and is continually helping me to see and acknowledge and embrace the true meaning of beauty in brokenness. There is beauty in experiencing um, God's love. Lamentations 3.22 tells us, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. God loves us deeply, and although hardships may come, we will not be overcome by them, because of the vast amount of love he has for us. In those moments of brokenness, God's great love is what sustains us. In our moments of brokenness, um, we also experience you know, his understanding nature. So there's beauty in being able to experience his understanding nature. Um, Hebrews 4.15 tells us we have not a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. God truly understands and can relate to the many emotions we feel during our periods of brokenness. At times it may seem that God doesn't understand what we're dealing with. We easily forget that he experiences all the emotions we experience. However, he does. Matthew 26, 38 says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So this scripture clearly shows us the immense feelings and emotions that, you know, Jesus was experiencing in the lead up to his crucifixion. You know, at that moment, he must have felt worried, anxious, overwhelmed, all common emotions that we experience, especially in periods of brokenness. Brokenness allows us to see God's purpose in our lives, so there's beauty in his purpose. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Brokenness is for a greater purpose. It's a hard pill to swallow when in despair, hardship and struggles. Brokenness brings forth elevation. Joseph experienced great hardship and was a victim in many ways. His brokenness was a part of God's plan for his life. He had to experience what he did in preparation for the glory God had formulated for him. 
and there is beauty in identifying our significance in the furtherance of God's kingdom. So in times of brokenness, you know, we're able to identify and God helps us to identify our significance in bettering his kingdom. 2 Corinthians 1.4 reads, Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in every, any trouble with the comfort we receive from God? Although difficult to comprehend and accept, we are required to go through difficulty to be able to encourage, help and uplift others through their brokenness. As children of God, we are supposed to strive to have a heart like his. So it is imperative to view the beauty of your own brokenness as one that will help others and help someone to overcome and accomplish the perfect will of God in their lives. God is concerned about us and we should feel the same for our brothers and sisters. Jesus' death is evidence of true beauty in brokenness. Through his brokenness, we gain access to redemption and the gift of eternal life. Brokenness allows us to develop and build our characters and gifts that God has blessed us with. Joseph's story is a clear example of this again. God uses brokenness or broken situations to develop characteristics he wants to use for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom. Characteristics or gifts we may have neglected, lack maturity in or needs fine-tuning, increasing our confidence and execution of using them in the way he intended. Joseph's gift was not appreciated. He may have been perceived as arrogant or even insensitive, a clear indication of immaturity in his gifting. He may have even come across as crazy to the natural eyes, but God used Joseph's gifting in this period of brokenness to develop that very gift and to highlight it and its significance. Joseph was promoted. He impacted change. He saved lives, restored broken relationships with his siblings, and he was enabled to, to, to help with healing for himself as well as others. Truly, there is beauty in brokenness. Going through a period of brokenness isn't easy. I won't sit here and say that it's a walk in the park because it isn't. It, but it is necessary. Brokenness, it's a process of redevelopment and revitalization in our lives. God is present with us through brokenness and he truly understands. God wants us to recognize the importance of these moments in our lives. We need to remember that also we are our brother's keeper. When going through seasons of brokenness, remember, God cares, God understands, God has allowed it to accomplish his perfect will in your life. Mm-hmm.